Episode 75 of PF's Tape Recorders brought to you by Home Shirts Cleveland. For all of your Northeast Ohio vintage t-shirt needs, visit homeshirts.com forward slash Cleveland. You'll also find links to the original Cincy Shirts site, as well as Home Shirts Indianapolis, with more cities to come. That's homeshirts.com forward slash Cleveland. Now, on with the show. Hey, this is Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder. And I've been on that show. It's a good show, I think. I have to- I'm still figuring out how to listen to podcasts. Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian James Adomian is still very much interested in politics, not so much interested in voting. I didn't vote this last time, it's the first time I never voted. I voted obsessively since I could. I realize at this point that voting is a validation of an extremely corrupt system. We'll hear more from James in just a few minutes. We're going to give you an update on the war on Christmas. I'll give you a hint. Christmas did pretty good again this year. But first, as always, fake news. And now fake news with me. Time Magazine has named the re-elected President Obama its Person of the Year for 2012. In a related story, Mitt Romney still can't believe he's not Person of the Year. President Barack Obama would veto the House Republican Plan B tax proposal designed to avert January 1st tax hikes, the White House said on Wednesday, saying the plan does not do enough to balance spending cuts and tax increases. This is an interesting turn of events, as Republicans in the past have always been against Plan B, while Democrats have been for Plan B. Hmm. Of course, that was a different Plan B. The next measure up for consideration is Plan 9, which involves politicians turning into zombies being controlled by corporations and lobbyists. I think that's already happened. The Presidential Inaugural Committee announced on Tuesday that a national prayer service held in connection with the President's inauguration will take place at the Washington National Cathedral in Washington, D.C. The interfaith service, which will include prayers, readings, blessings, and hymns delivered by religious leaders from across the United States, according to the committee, will include participation from President Barack Obama and Vice President Joe Biden. What the hell kind of a Muslim is he, anyway? Conservative Park... Gung Hae has become South Korea's first female president. The liberal Moon Jae-in conceded late Wednesday to the daughter of late dictator Park Chung-hee after a close race. Her victory came despite analysts' prediction that a high voter turnout could favor Moon and assurance by Dick Morse that would be a landslide for Moon. Carl Robe insisted on waiting for the votes to come in from Weejambu before calling it for Park. Weejambu is the village from MASH, actually. Olivia Kupo. 20 of Rhode Island was crowned Miss Universe Wednesday night. She teared up as the other contestants placed the crown on her head during the televised event from Las Vegas. It was the first time in 15 years an American has won, although it's the 60th consecutive year the Miss Universe crown has been won by a woman from Earth. And that's been Fake News with me. Well, apparently, once again, there's been some sort of war on Christmas, and uh, this is being recorded on Christmas Eve, Eve, December 23rd, and uh, from the looks of it, uh, the, the anti-Christmas forces have once, ad- once again done very, very badly, uh, but hasn't stopped people from chiming in uh, on the war on Christmas and uh, how uh, it's just being squashed all over the place. 
uh, one of those folks would be Charlie Daniels. You remember him? The devil went down to Georgia. He was looking for a soul to steal. He was in a bind because he was way behind and he was willing to make a deal. When he came across this young man... Now, sometimes folks get a little uneasy uh, when musicians uh, start talking politics and uh, social issues, uh, like this lady. Uh, You don't know that much about what you're talking about, so stick to the area that you're really smart about. I wrote a book called Shut Up and Sing. That, of course, Laura Ingram. Now, of course, that rule doesn't apply if you're Ted Nugent or Dave Mustaine or anybody like that. So anyway, uh, Chuck Daniels, a little upset, uh, says there there ain't no X in Christmas. It's a a little essay he wrote for CNSNews.com. And uh, he goes on to make this just idiotic argument uh, about how Christmas is being oppressed. And uh, again, if it, if it is being done, whoever is oppressing Christmas is doing a really crappy job of it, to be quite honest with you. Um, I, I was out in the front lines, by the way. All I heard from salespeople was Merry Christmas, and I heard one Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Someone kind of split the difference. So uh, believe me, Christmas isn't in any danger. The interesting thing I found about uh, Mr. Daniel's essay, though, is that he doesn't address this anywhere else in the body of the essay, but the title, There's No X. And Xmas, I believe he's referring to when people use Xmas instead of Christmas. Now, uh, I'm going to admit something to you here. I was kind of stupid on this myself as of uh, up until last year. I thought when people wrote Xmas that they were simply either being lazy or even disrespectful to Christ. Okay, and uh, I, I leaned more toward lazy because that's what it seemed like. And uh, so here I had gotten one of those dumb Facebook arguments uh, that I always get into uh, last year on Facebook. But I pointed out, I said, hey, you know, I, I think you should write out Christmas the whole way. It doesn't seem right to write just Xmas. And a Christian, and I remember my, my uh, feelings on Facebook. It's Facebook, not Factbook. But uh, this fellow I trust, who uh, I know is a, a Christian and a strong believer, pointed out to me that no, actually X does mean Christ. And again, it's Facebook, not Factbook. So before I did this bit, I went and looked it up and found this from the folks at the Christian Broadcasting Network. And I don't know who's credited with uh, who the reporter is or who they're interviewing, but it's on the Christian Broadcast Network. Here's what they have to say about Xmas. Yet if Paul or Timothy came back, they would look at that as putting Christ into Christmas because X is the first letter of Christ's name in Greek. And so they look at that as the way Christ was spelled. For 1,500 years, the church wrote Christmas as X-mus. Really? Worship Christ. Remember, most people couldn't read. X, they could read, though, as Christ's name. Secondly, and this is really, I think, key and critical, paper and ink were in very short supply. So they abbreviated anything they could when they would write out text. And so this was like an early form of texting. Early texting. X-mus. But believe it or not, it was not taking Christ out of Christmas. It was actually keeping Christ in Christmas. And we can use that as a worship and a witnessing tool today. We can tell people the history of Xmas and show them that it's actually putting Christ into Christmas. Well, that's all well and good. But what about happy holidays? We didn't say that till we got all politically correct back in 1941. Happy holidays. Happy holiday. May the calendar keep ringing. Happy holiday to you. So Bing Crosby was the evil mastermind who began the war on Christmas. Who knew? James Adomian is a sketch comedy actor, stand-up comedian, and gifted impressionist. You've seen him on Comedy Bang Bang, Last Comic Standing, The Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson, Jimmy Kimmel Live, all over the place. Uh, The Jimmy Dore Show there on the radio and on podcast. 
and uh, he was kind enough to spare some time and uh, speak with us. So here is our interview with James Adomian. All right, joining us on PF's Tape Recorder, it's comedian James Adomian. James, how you doing? I'm very good, PF. Thanks for chatting with me. Yeah, no problem, man. I've been a big fan for a long time. Uh, I first uh, heard of you on Jimmy Dore's podcast. It's a, that's kind of a radio show, and I guess you rebroadcast that. Yes, he does. I get, I, yeah, because I don't, I don't get that. It's on the Pacifica Network, which is on in a few cities around the country besides Los Angeles. Uh, but also, Yeah, yeah a, I love Jimmy Dore. Yeah, and uh, the, the Jesse Ventura... Uh, impression uh, I heard is still a, a part of your act, and that's good because my dad is a huge fan of that. He he just listened to Jimmy Dore's podcast just to hear that when we first started listening to it. <laughs> so, I'm very popular with all kinds of parental figures, not just fathers, also mothers, <laughs> adopted adopted mothers, stepfathers, <laughs> the entire gamut. I'm popular because I'm fiscally conservative and socially liberal. That's one of those impressions you could listen to all day. I tell you. Well. Uh, on the impression thing, I'm I'm a huge fan of of a good impression, and uh, even I always say there's you know as we and you would probably agree there's nothing funnier than a good impression and nothing more painful than a bad impression. And when I do open mics, I'm uh, I don't know about nothing. I mean, there's still warfare and all that. That's true. Yeah, yeah, that, <laughs> that's true. When you do your impressions, uh, and I got a sense of this a little bit from the Jesse Ventura impression, but there seem to be two schools of impressions. One is like the really just crazy off the wall, uh, like the dude on Mad TV used to do. Uh, with Kenny Rogers, it was just crazy nonsense. And I then there was that one. I never saw it. I'm not sure. I, yeah, I, he would. It was like drunk it. Kenny Rogers, and he did act all crazy. Yeah, and or was, like you know, Dana Carvey doing George Bush. Yeah, yeah. And then there's uh, where I think you're more in the line of, and this is what I gravitate toward too, is it's a dead-on impression, and it's just a little bit over that silly line, where it's got that little bit of. Uh, well, well, I guess what Letterman describes as this could still really happen. But it's just slightly over that line, you know. There's like a ten percent chance that could actually yeah, happen. I figure. I figure usually my impressions are what the person might do if they got dosed with acid or were really, really drunk or something. Okay. <laughs> and uh, when you're coming up with impressions, uh, Rick Oberton was on Feldman's show one time. He kind of explained the way he on does it. Show? Uh, David Feldman's. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. David Feldman! Yeah, <laughs> I love Feldman. He's got a great show, too. Uh, Overton was saying that somebody sometimes will have to crack the code first of an impression. Uh, but do you, but it seems you probably come to yours more organically because yours aren't really, a lot of yours aren't, aren't widely known, yet still people still know them. Well, yeah, what I don't do is, I, what I don't do is something where somebody else has cracked the code to use Rick uh-huh. Overton's terminology. I mean, I'm, I, I, I studiously avoid doing Christopher Walken or yeah. Robert De Niro or Al Pacino because I just think, I mean, as soon as I see, as soon as I see people doing it, it's like, well, that's no fun. That's not what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not supposed to be doing other people's jokes. Right, right. You know, you know, with doing impressions of public figures, it's kind of inevitable that different people are going to kind of stumble across the same thing and that happens. But I do tend to try to aim for things that are less overdone, like Jesse Ventura or Paul Giamatti or uh, Garrett Busey, you know, people like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, more now, fun that way. Now, Christopher uh, Hitchens when he was alive. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Good one. No, but I heard, I heard on Marin's podcast you still you do Christopher Hitchens' ghost. And do you still do that? or? 
Oh, oh yeah, on Comedy Bang Bang. Yeah. Uh, yeah, actually, I died, after he died, I just started doing his ghost. There you go. <laughs> but then, since it's Christopher Hitchens, he doesn't believe that it's a ghost. He's like, I'm astrally, but this is not a, this is not a, uh, a supernatural phenomenon. This is clearly explainable by science. <laughs> I'm not a ghost. Boo! I'm not saying boo. I'm not haunting you. As a fan of impressions and one who does, you know, what I would term bad impressions on this podcast, I still haven't worked up the nerve to do them uh, on stage. Uh, a little trick I do, I don't know if, if, if you do this, I've been able to do this, is, is there like a little phrase or something in your head that you could use to kind of get you, uh, get a running start into the impression when you're first doing it? For example, if I yeah, do Yeah, I say, the, I say okay. the person's name. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, that's, I, yeah. I say the person's name, uh, and then after, then you branch out from there. Oh, Giamatti! <laughs> Or, uh, I'm Gary, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Gary Arbucci. Or, uh, even, uh, it's, that's fun for me. You know, yeah. To start with the name. How would they say their own name? Okay, that's cool. That's a good tip. So when you're choosing the uh, someone to do an impression of, how does it, does it strike you? Is it something like, you know, you just hear something unique in that voice and you think, oh, that's something I can latch on to? Wait, say that again. I couldn't quite when, understand you. When you um, uh, first decide to do a voice, does it strike you when you're listening to this person, oh, this is a really unique voice, that's something I can latch on to, or maybe you're a fan of that person to begin with? And it's Yeah, know. both. It depends on the person, yeah. Sometimes it'll take years where I'm, where I'm I, I, you know, I knew about Jesse Ventura and Christopher Hitchens years before I did an impression of them, but it was kind of boiling around in the back of my head, and then at a certain point I was like, you know what, I should just do that. Um, do you have this like a natural ear for that kind of thing beyond impressions? Because Carlos, as Rocky was telling us, that uh, he not only does original voices, of course, and impressions, but just growing up with a, a Scottish best friend and uh, you know in a, a half Hispanic Argentine British household, he just picked up all these different accents and things kind of easily. And you've kind of lived in different parts of the country growing up in you know, Georgia, California. Do you just have a natural ear for that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, I, exactly. Yeah, I, I, Carlos, that's a good observation that Carlos had. I think. Yeah, I, I I've grown up around different accents, um, and I've always had an ear for interesting voices, whether they were people in my real life or people, you know, famous people on TV and movies. In fact, I find it more. I'm I'm more often do impressions of people that I know from real life than I do yeah. from TV. I was just gonna it's say. Just, it, it's just that the ones that I do who are based on TV get noticed more because people know the same people. Yeah, yeah. But it's way more fun and interesting and natural for me to imitate someone that I'm just hanging out with. Or, or like when I was younger, like teachers or coaches when I played sports, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's a very interesting thing, yeah. It's like if you're in the room with someone, hanging out with them, working with them, that you'll pick up more as far as vocal subtleties or facial right. yeah, yeah. patterns and stuff. And a lot of that is flattened and lost when you translate something through TV or radio or uh, movies or whatever. But, you know, there's still enough there that you can, you know, you, you, you can still put something together, and it's definitely fun. Um, and obviously the trade-off is more people know what you're doing if it's somebody who's famous. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Him. Well, you can also get, uh, you know, if you have to com charge com with an original character, say in a cartoon, I guess you can always draw on that. Because I used to do an impression of my boss's boss at this other job I used to have. And this guy was such a character. He was from uh, New York. He grew up in New York. He's big. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Cartoon, cartoons is a good outlet for uh, 
uh, you know, a voice of or, or an attitude, you know, a voice or a characteristic that you know from a real person who's not quite, who's not quite big enough to pull off, you know, and being the material for impression. But yeah, uh, a lot of times too, what I would do, is I, 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 in addition to stand-up, sometimes I do characters, like I perform yeah. as a character, and I came from like the sketch comedy world in that sense. Uh, so uh, one thing I do would be like make an amalgamation of um, of a couple different people I know, two or three people, and kind of put them okay. together into one character, and that that can be fun. That's that's kind of one way to create uh, fictional characters. Just kind of mush people together in your head and be like, what would it be like if uh, if he had if he had a little bit of the uh, uh, guttural uh, you know sound of this other guy, you know. You can kind of play around with that. It'll be like, you know what? They're so close, they might as well be the same person. Yeah. <laughs> it could be a little insulting if people pick up on it, but luckily they don't ask questions too often. Now, now my favorite impression that you did when you were on uh, Marin Show, you only did it for a couple of seconds, was uh, Todd Glass. Because it was just so unexpected and it was so dead on. I'm like, oh man, that's genius. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, uh, if you ever heard, I've been on a couple of the episodes of Todd Glass. Yes, podcast, recommended, by the way. And I do my impression of him all the time yeah. on his own podcast. Uh, and whenever we do a live show together, that's the <laughs> most fun. I, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of comedians I, I could do an impression of and yeah. usually only pull it out if I'm on the show with them, a, a, a room full of comedy nerds. But uh, like yeah. if I'm on the show with them, if I'm on a show with Eddie Pepitone or Todd Glass oh, or Andy yeah. Kindler, I'm doing my impression <laughs> of those guys. You know? There you go. Uh, all very unique voices, the three of those guys. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I kind of learned from, I kind of, I, I learned a lot from those guys and uh, other performers like that who are big, dynamic, energetic performers on stage. Yeah. Um, that's definitely the style of comedy that I was drawn to, like a, like a moth to a flame, really. So you said you started in, in sketch. I know you were in the Groundlings. And what kind of got you interested in, in doing stand-up? Was it more just the, the independence of it or just wanted to flex a different comedy muscle? Both. It's very different working solo. Uh, there's better name recognition as a stand-up than doing sketch comedy. Uh, if you're doing sketch comedy, people will go, ha, 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 that was amazing. I will make zero effort to find out who that was. Huh. See, not and me. also, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, sketch comedy uh, at the top, hits a, there's a ceiling, which is there's no, there's no future in sketch comedy, no matter how good you are. There's, there's one TV show, that, and if uh, you don't get yeah. on there, that's it. You just, you're just doing sketch comedy in live live theaters. Oh. Um, and uh, I, I I still do characters in sketch, but I, I I only do it for fun now. Really, I put most of my effort into stand up, and it's fun that way too. Because uh, another thing is I get to talk uh, in my own voice sometimes and uh, uh, talk from my own point of view. Whereas if I'm doing a character, you're you're kind of locked into what they're. Oh yeah, and worldview is so it's it's nice to be able to occasionally step out as James Adomian and be like, hey, here's my actual opinion. So what's the balance when you're on stage between impressions and then just kind of your uh, own straight ahead stand up? I don't know. Somebody's welcome to come down and clock it sometimes. <laughs> okay. If you want to get a stop stopwatch, and I I might be interested to know that. Okay, maybe we can break that down. Maybe somebody uh, up in Minneapolis can 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 break that down and and see. Yeah. Um, if you if you're not, if you're a person who doesn't laugh much at shows, but you want to find something in it to make it interesting, come quantify it by numbers. There you go. Going to spreadsheet out and bring the Excel yeah. file. Yeah. There you go. 
Now, I know you're a, a politically interested guy, but uh, let me ask, after this election, did, did you kind of, were you just worn out? Were you just exhausted after it was all over? Or are you still kind of involved in, you know, in the process? What, the election? Just No, in politics in general and current events and stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I didn't vote this last time. It's the first time I never voted. Uh, it's, I, I, I said that wrong. I voted obsessively since I could. Yeah. And this is the first election that I did not vote in because I just, I, I, um, I, I, I think voting, I, I realize at this point that voting is a validation of an extremely corrupt system. Um, and we don't have a real democracy, and I'm tired of pretending that voting does any good. It doesn't. And we have, this, we have the exact same policies, no matter who's in power, except for a few cosmetic differences. And I would rather spend my time worrying about other stuff. If, if they're going to, you know, if, if, there's, if there's 12 corporations that are going to do whatever they want no matter what, yeah. then I, I, it, I, I'll worry about something besides that. I, I'm, I'm, I, don't, I don't have the uh, mental patience for... Um, <laughs> I don't have the mental patience, for, and I don't have the mental patience uh, for... <laughs> Uh, politics anymore. I mean, at this point, I think of it as a circus. I, I follow it just for entertainment purposes only. Yeah. And that's why I love political figures like Jesse Ventura, because honestly, I, I don't see any more validity to the American political process than than there is in professional wrestling. So I think, <laughs> I think Jesse Ventura is a, an absolutely perfect figure uh, to to. Um, communicate to the American voting public. Yeah, I it's I found that after the, you know the whole thing, I was very engaged uh, all the way through the presidential election and was getting in Facebook fights and all kinds of stuff. But afterwards, I was just exhausted. <laughs> just like and kind of like you said, you know, you look at it and it's you know the the same pretty much the same crap is going to happen no matter what. Yeah. Uh, notice that no, there, uh, there's certain issues that are not uh, allowed to be discussed. Um, yeah. And part of that is by forcing a fake uh, two-party election where there's uh, third-party and fourth-party candidates are not allowed in the debate, which is illegal, uh, but they, they, nobody, there's, it, it doesn't matter if it's illegal because they control, they control the court system. So it's, and they have a, the private campaigns decide who gets to be in the uh, presidential election. It's a total fraud. It's absolutely corrupt. No candidate on a national scale uh, uh, was saying anything about drones. We're going to have oh, drones yeah. flying around in every American city within the next three years, and no one voted for it. And uh, NAFTA, 70% of Americans uh, weren't opposed to NAFTA and still want it to be repealed. And there's nobody on a national level who was in favor of doing that. When you do occasionally see somebody like Howard Dean who says we should repeal NAFTA, they get rid of him very quickly. Oh yeah, uh, uh, and that's on the that's on the right and the left, on the Republican and Democratic side. Yeah, and uh, anybody anybody who disagrees with the consensus that is approved by the corporate interest uh, doesn't have a very long career in politics. No, and, and and since you need more and more money, you know, to to run for any kind of office, you know, it just the right. it just filters all the way downward. Although I hear a lot of people all the time say, oh, we need a a parliamentary system like they have in in the UK and in Canada, but I really think it that's doesn't just, do much better. They still just, have the yeah, same problem. It's a dog with a different set of fleas, as uh, Gordon Gecko says in Wall Street. 
what you need is an unprecedented change in the way people across the world uh, think about their leaders, whether they're in uh, civic involvement in general. And, and, yeah, um, where, where people say it does I have, have a kind difference. Of a pessimistic view about what's likely to happen. Well, yeah, I don't think there's, I, you know, I I don't think there's much hope. I could be wrong. Hopefully, I am, but it doesn't seem like there's a lot to uh, celebrate in the way people have chosen to live. Yeah, and I think for a lot of people, it's. Uh, I, I mean, I get why people watch reality shows and read People magazine and things like that. And I'm a big football fan. It's a big escape for me because if you if you think about this stuff, you know, you'll go, you'll go nuts because it, one, that you feel powerless, and two, it's just it's just so sad. So if, you know, of course people are going to watch. But then I think you have the other side of that is that people do that too much yeah. and don't pay attention to anything. Yeah, they they give you they give us things like sports. We are we are they want they give us sports and reality shows and all kinds of other dumb distractions yeah. uh, which is what you're supposed to look at and that's what you're supposed because it is overwhelming and we are powerless and they give us these fake things to make us feel like we have some kind of investment in a sports team or in a right. reality show contestant and, re- and, and in reality nobody nobody there are very few people who benefit at all if a sports team wins or loses right yeah um and that's basically the owners and the players. Yeah. And the, the, the rest of it is uh, the crazy psychological circus game that was played over and over again. And, you know, it, uh, I, I, I think it's very interesting and bold and it's, it's, it's dangerous and uh, rare to actually sort of totally research how powerless you are and how f***ed up things are. Oh, yeah. And even if you're not even going to do anything about it, just be aware of it. Just meditate on yeah. how f***ed up everything is. And uh, and then just and just just to be aware of it, even if you're not going to do anything. That's that's insanity. That is certainly a uh, an unusual and dangerous way to live. Uh, to be fully aware, you know, you know, the analogy is if you're in, uh, you know, uh, if you're in prison and there's no hope of getting out, to at least acknowledge the situation as yeah, yeah. as as possible. Yeah, yeah, you've got to, you know, accept what the, uh, you know, the the situation is now. So that's at least, you right. know. Well, yeah, if you're if you're if, if you're an animal caught in a trap, you're not going to help yourself escape by pretending you're not caught in a trap. Yeah. Um, you, but you, it, by and you know, by acknowledging that you that you are caught in a trap, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to escape. But you're certainly, it's certainly, it's certainly uh, better than pretending that you have that there's some kind of false hope. And I think, I think we are, I think we're an animal caught in a trap. Anyway, that's the uh, uh, pessimistic underpinnings of my comedic <laughs> worldview. I was going to say is that I mean, but now that you. Of kind of like are not focusing so much on that. Does it give you more time to focus on you know the comedy and your craft and and that sort of thing? Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't focus much on anything at all. Actually, <laughs> I'm, kind of, uh, I'm kind of scattered all over the place. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I think I'm the wrong guy for the job, but nobody else is doing it. So I just I'll just I just jump in whenever I feel like I need it, <laughs> um, which maybe is more often than other people would agree. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's uh, man. I mean, uh, comedy uh, com- com- comedy for me is a chance to discuss things that are otherwise uh, incredibly depressing and dark. Right. Uh, you know, like the hopelessness, the yeah. hopelessness of our situation. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. I think laughter and laughter and tears are closely connected. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Emotion. Emotional reaction. There you go. 
Well, all right, James. Well, I appreciate you taking the time today uh, to mm-hmm. be on the podcast. And, the, of course, the print version of this oh, will be totally. in, in City Pages uh, the week that you're up there in print and online. So, well, that's wonderful. Yes, and hopefully uh, we can get you I, down I, here. Uh, I thank yes. you and your listeners and readers. And uh, I'll be up in Minneapolis in a couple weeks, or, or less than that, maybe. What, like, uh, January 8th, I think almost. it is. So, and hope we can get you down to Cincinnati here sometime as well. Maybe. I don't know if I have any plans currently, but okay. uh, uh, you're in us- Minneapolis, right? Uh, I actually live in Cincinnati. Oh, are you writing for the Cincinnati yeah. City Pages? Yes, both. I wrote oh. for both papers, but I uh, uh, this this will be for City Pages in Minneapolis, of course. And if you come to Cincinnati, I get get you some ink here as well. Okay, now I'm piecing it together. There it All is. Right. Yeah, well, I sound like a moron if you keep that part in, but you know what? I'm not afraid to sound like a moron because it's pretty accurate. No, no, not at all. The very brilliant Mr. James Adomian. Uh, again, thanks for doing the the, the show and uh, continued success to you there in 2013. I appreciate it. Oh. Happy Solstice and Happy New Year. All right, man. Well, uh, again, uh, folks can go and enjoy you in Minneapolis in a couple of weeks and around the country. Of course, we'll have links on the Podbean page and all that fun stuff. So, uh, Cool. All right, dude. Cool. All right, well, thanks, and uh, have a good holidays. Awesome. I appreciate it. I will talk to you soon. Happy right. holidays. Thanks, man. Bye. Thanks again to James Adomian for being on the podcast. You can catch James in Minneapolis January 8th through the 12th at the Acme Comedy Company. And for more information on James Adomian, simply go to jamesadomian.com. Well, there you go. Don't forget to check out our website, uh, Cleveland Home Shirts, and that is actually homeshirts.com forward slash Cleveland. For those of you who are from and live in Northeast Ohio, you can check out some great vintage t-shirts. You can also uh, visit the original site, the Cincy Shirts site, which has nostalgic shirts from Cincinnati, as the, uh, the name might indicate. Indianapolis is up as well. More cities to come, so please check all of those out. Uh, like this podcast on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter at PF66. PF Tape Recorder logo designed by Dan Coble. Follow him at TigerDactyl on Twitter. Music for PF Tape Recorder was composed and performed by John Varopoulos and Doug O'Connor with a little help from me. Uh, That is all the business we have at hand, uh, except to say, well, Merry Christmas, since we lost the war on Christmas once again this year. Gosh darn it. Uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and Happy Holidays all the way around. So long, and thanks for listening. (laughs) 